You're, you sound very normal. We don't have a mask on today. I don't. I don't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another awesome week of Case Files with Kat. And Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> I find, uh, though, that if I talk too long, it gets raspy. Like, my voice sort of gets lower in register. I start sounding a little more Kathleen Turnery. Oh. Which I think is sexy. <laughs> you just saw it like the whole time. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it on purpose, but um, yeah. So hey, so how's your how's your week been? Um, it, well, it's only Tuesday. It's been very busy. Um, I the have folks to, at home don't know that. I have to be okay. Well, it's Tuesday. Since I Tuesday. last saw you, how about yeah. that? Okay, uh, it's been very busy. Um, I spent the weekend in uh, East Texas, so that was nice to get away and um, not work. Yay! And uh, not to tell everyone where we live, but I guess they already knew that. But yeah, anyways, I went that. to East Texas um, and had lots of delicious food, and now I'm back to working. And I woke up with all these weird bruises. I don't know where they came from, mm-hmm. um, in case you mm-hmm. see them. Um, did you run into a door? Actually, I did run into a door. Do you need help? I fell into Blink a door twice. chasing my dog because she was about to go into a room that she wasn't supposed to be in. And so I reached down to grab her, and I tripped up. Over myself and smacked right into the door frame, but I hit my wow. lip. I didn't hit my my door, so it was truly yes. So it was, you it was literally a, dead. Literally ran into so. a door frame. I wasn't going to tell that story, but thank you for bringing up my trauma cat. Thank for, you. I'm good at that. <laughs> for everyone at home listening going, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I really, listen, if you know me, that's, I was born in a barn. Um, anywho, this week has been fantastic. Her born in the barn story is A, hysterical, but B, it, it, it really explains so much. <laughs> I was raised on a farm, people. Like I, I don't know what to tell you. Just like, just like Jesus, you're born in a barn. Oh my God. Okay, so um, yeah, my week has been since I last saw you has been kind of kind of crazy. We went to Pride yeah. this weekend, and that was just an amazing experience. Getting to actually walk in the parade yeah. with, with a friend of ours, and uh, for the kids to get to do that, it was just amazing. Yeah, the pictures were great. Yeah, there, there was so much like just love and excitement. It was just really yeah. positive. Everybody was just like, just loving that there are all these kids out there. And Anderson did such a good job of like throwing beads and, and <laughs> yeah. glow sticks and things like that out. And he just had a, he was high-fiving like hundreds of people. It was That's just awesome. hysterical. He had a blast. He was kind of like shy at first. I was but like, then... he's so shy. It's really hard to imagine, but it's really cool. <laughs> the videos are just, he's just like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And we were just like, yeah, and happy pride it was great it was really fun it was just had a just a great time so you want to hear some eligible crazy real quick it was hot (laughs) my mom's car got attacked by an axe a man attacked my mother's car okay so i saw a post about her sweet car yes but that's because a man he was on drugs he attacked her car with an axe and when the police asked him what he was doing like who he is he says i'm the king of england and i'm here to kill the queen and who is in that PT Cruiser? Well, it's not a PT Cruiser. It's a it was Mini, it? Cooper. Mini Cooper. Anyway, so he totaled the car. She did get a, a new Mini Cooper okay, good. somehow from somewhere. I don't know if like his insurance. I don't know who paid. But the point is, like, can you imagine well, just looking you out your just, window no. and see someone attacking your car with a no? Anyways, oh just God. in the new crazy. Ashley World. Susan's, I just thought I would share. Susan's car, R.I.P. But she got a new one. Okay, so that's good. She, yeah, she's she's okay, crazy anyways. times. We're living in crazy times, y'all. Crazy times. Um, okay, so I don't I don't think that we have any answers to the question of the week, but I will ask you. Though I have a feeling I know the answer, but what is the one case that you just know allegedly that you just there's no allegedly i am gonna say allegedly because jason was like what if someone sues you for libel so i'm gonna say allegedly what is the one case that you're like this is this is solved like just follow me and i'm gonna lead you through the solving of this case literally the episode i did last last week that's what i was gonna say Her stepfather, allegedly stepfather, did it. Case closed. I don't know why it's not closed. I I don't don't care if there's no body. I feel like they could charge him. I mean. Because the first story I ever did on our podcast was about a man that was charged and 
sentenced for killing his wife and there was nobody. Shut the front door. That was the front. Right. Yeah. And so right. I feel like in this case, definitely could have been same God, situation. I wish you were a prosecutor. I'm, I mean, I mean, just I mean, like, I, I, let's, let's do that research. Let's bring it before I would, man. The Virginia, whoever's. I mean, seriously, like I was I, telling Jason, I was like, it was the most frustrating story. Like, I just don't understand oh it. I don't, I don't understand how the case is still unsolved, but that would be my answer. A thousand percent. Allegedly the stepfather. Yeah, it. that was my answer too. So, okay. We're in agreement. That's it. End of story. Okay. But if you're listening, please go back and tell us because I always love listening to people's theories on cases. I know because, well, I know for sure we had one. It's probably the one everybody else is thinking of too. But like, if you really sat and thought about all the cases that you've ever watched a story on that are unsolved, but you're like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> that, I think your story last week was so... Um, just was the perfect example of that because there was so much, there's so much like obvious evidence, like (laughs) how much more evidence besides that actual physical body. Like if you gave me a board with the red string (laughs) in the pictures, there would be one string. (laughs) It would be from her stepfather to allegedly, that's it. Allegedly, allegedly, supposedly. All right, here we go. All right. So my story tonight um, has nothing really to do with. Where's Kevin? I already know I'm going to need Kevin. Okay. Yeah. You're going to need Kevin. Yeah. Just heck yeah. We'll just Oh, that was Kevin. He's fine. No goats were hurt in this episode. (laughs) Um, Okay, so there. Okay, I'm going to do the the disclaimer. And I know that anybody who listens to our podcast has listened to like some really crazy shit. Like you guys have heard (laughs) us talk about lots of crazy things. But this particular episode is just chock full of things that are uncomfortable to talk about. All right. Um, so it's important that we know these stories because it'll help prevent them. But I'll be talking about a missing person. Yes, there's a there's a missing person case that's still open. Um, but also her family that it turns out was like almost all involved in a child sex ring. Right. So I am warning listeners right now that if like, I mean, if you listen to our really bad stories and you're cool with it, like this is just another thing, just chalk it up to the craziness that we talk about. You can tap out anytime you want to. Okay. But I will also say, um, I'm going to start tonight with some pretty shitty little factoids. And I mean, like shitty in what the what in the actual fuck kind of way (laughs) like this is this is information and i am reading i'm going to be reading it to you verbatim from the source because i do not want to get this information wrong um it is really shitty that any of this is true it it is also something that i had never really thought about until doing the story would you say if people get uncomfortable with the facts they maybe shouldn't listen to the story i would say you, you use your discretion if this is if uh, this is we're talking going to be talking about children um not in gory detail but there there is going to be mention of it um and it and i think because of the situation of this family i think it makes it a little bit more disturbing and it kind of puts a different spin on what we know to be um sex trafficking okay and so that's sort of where i'm going to go with our with our facts so let me say this first if you or anyone you know is being pressured to exchange sex for money or something else of value if it's drugs if it's rent money if it's whatever gas money whatever or if you are being threatened or otherwise forced to work against your will, help is available. There is a 1-888 number. You can call 1-888-373-7888. 1-888-373-7888. Or you can text be free to 233-733. You can make reports there if you know of something that's going on or you can get help there. So I'm, going, I'm putting that out there. I will repeat it at the end if I need to, but 
that's that that is trafficking exchanging sex for money or something of value so some facts so this information comes from the polaris projects report of 2020 this is the most up-to-date report that they have on their website okay um there have been increases over the last three reports of of these numbers so this is the latest with the greatest number of reports. So it's really um, it's sickening. Okay, so victims of traf- trafficking identified in 2020, 16,658. Of those 16,658, 10,836 were for sex, traffic- tra- sex trafficking, 3,500 were for labor, 631 were for sex and labor, and the other 1,634 were for other not specified. So I'm not really sure what that other not specified is. So the top types, these are the types as defined by Polaris's report of, of, um, of trafficking. There's escort services, pornography, illicit massage, health, and beauty, residential-based commercial sex, Wow, like hadn't even heard of that before, right? Um, Personal sexual servitude, there were 295 cases of that. Outdoor solicitation, that is sex workers. Domestic work, there are 202 of those. Emerging types, 132. I'm not really sure what that means. Um, bars, strip clubs, and cantinas are 126 victims. Um, and then illicit activities, 122. So key findings. This is, I'm, I'm telling you, when I was reading this, I was just, it was just kind of like mind blown after my, my mind blowing. Like, it's not, yeah. bloom, like whoa. Um, human trafficking is profoundly adaptable. Shut down one venue and traffickers will find a new one. Wherever there are vulnerable people and communities, there will be someone who finds a way to exploit them. Online recruitment increased a significant 22% in 2020. During the lockdown, as the proportion of victims from common recruitment sites such as strip clubs, um, which went down 46%, foster homes, which went down 70%, and schools, which went down 38%, um, went down, they all went down drastically. The internet was reported as the top recruitment location for all forms of trafficking. Most notably, the analysis found a significant increase in the proportion of potential victims for whom Facebook and Instagram were the sites for recruitment into trafficking, and that was up 120%. Yeah. I know TikTok's pretty bad, too. There was a 125% increase in reports of recruitment on Facebook over the previous year, and there was a 95% increase in reports of recruitment on Instagram over the previous year. Human trafficking is highly personal. Despite the explosion of concern, some of it fueled by misinformation about complex child sex trafficking schemes and kidnappings, data shows victims usually know and trust their traffickers. Recruitment by family members and intimate partners was highly reported for all forms of trafficking. While this is the case year over year, it was particularly pronounced in 2020. In 2020, among all forms of trafficking whose recruitment relationships were known, so 4,142 of them, the proportion of victims recruited by a family member or caregiver increased from 21% of all victims in 2019 to 31% in 2020. A 47% increase, I guess, in number. In addition, the proportion recruited by intimate partners jumped 21% from an intimate partner. Like, this is just, that's just crazy. Recruitment by family members and intimate partners was particularly noteworthy in sex trafficking situations. 
In 2020, situations of sex trafficking or sex and labor trafficking combined of the 2,448 victims whose recruitment was known, 42% were brought into trafficking by a member of their own family, and 39% were recruited via an intimate partner or marriage proposition. Friends and family who know something about the victim and, and the situations are also the most likely to be the way they are connected to help. So... That's a good thing. Interaction with friends and family has been the top reported access point from 2018 to 2020. In 2020, friends and family were the access point to help for 40% of the identified victims. That's amazing. Like, so yeah. pay attention to the surroundings. Yeah. Ask if they need help. Like, yeah. that's just really crazy. Trafficking does not happen in a vacuum. Virtually everyone who ends up in a trafficking situation has a clear and identifiable vulnerability that a trafficker preyed upon. These vulnerabilities show up in roughly the same proportions every year, including the year the pandemic began and lockdowns were at their peak. This data points to massive failings in a range of systems, from the macro, like criminal justice and economic inequality, to the specific, like foster care, immigration, health and housing. So the top five risk factors in sex trafficking, substance use concern, runaway or homeless youth, unstable housing, a mental health concern, um, recent migration or relocation. So new to a town. Yeah. Perfect time to you know, if you're standing out or whatever, you know, um, and as far as labor goes, recent migration or lo relocation, self-reported economic hardship, unstable housing, criminal record or criminal history, substance abuse concerns. So those are the top five. So all of this information is at the Polaris Project's website, and you can find the like entire report, and there's nice graphs, great infographics. But for me, this was something that I wanted to make sure I, I passed along, because what I'm going to be talking about tonight is like very much about familial sex trafficking. When you said that, there's a lady on TikTok who found a bunch of accounts where parents were listing their children's photos for modeling sites, and it was actually where men would pay the site, and it was their children, like, in very provocative stuff, and it was the parents. The parents were well aware, and she exposed all of these accounts, and the FBI is involved now, but she single-handedly worked to, like, oh get God. all this evidence of TikTok accounts and websites and stuff where parents were basically selling their children and their pictures to different people on the internet. And she's been trying to expose them and to people. So they, you know, check on their kids and what they're doing online. And it was just crazy to see all of the accounts that were managed by parents wow. doing this to their children. I just cannot, I mean, I don't have kids, but I could not imagine doing that to my own children or any child, but to my own children is crazy so we're going to be talking about tonight a uh, this takes place in mobile alabama um and in especially rural communities in this country especially in rural communities this is a way for drug addicts to get more drugs this is paying for rent this is paying for groceries this is paying for gas money yeah. you know and especially now if we're all suffering and we're all hurting you know going to the grocery store well i can't buy all that so i'm going to cut down and i'm not going to drive as much i'm going to cut all that down imagine those who are making even less money and you're yeah. in a really sticky situation and you're looking at your kids and you're like uh pass them on and yeah. it becomes this really unhealthy, like, even scarier situation yeah. for these these poor babies. Um, it, it This was, like, to me, like, I'd never even thought of it. I'd never even, it never occurred to me that it would be a parent. Um, and this is just chock full of them. Just lots of them. Oh, we, we have a third co-host. We do. <laughs> oh, oh, there he is. He wants to talk. Okay, so now that we're all depressed, super depressed... 
As I mentioned, my story tonight is centered around a young woman who is missing, um, and her name is Brittany Wood. And by all accounts, she was last seen on May 30th. <laughs> I put it down. She just is like taking pictures of the cat. Listen, okay. he was at the I microphone. Know. He know. was the one to be a host, and then you cut him off, so now he's mad. He's sulking. It's okay, super okay. scary. Sorry. Sorry. Um, okay, so Brittany Wood. So by all accounts, she was last seen on May 30th, 2012. So this is just, oh, just 10 years. Yeah, just t- almost exactly 10 years ago. Um, and was with her uncle, uh, uh, Donald Holland. Now, this is not really contested information. Okay, like it's... Well, she was last seen leaving her house, but as I go through the timeline of the case, you'll you'll see how crazy it all is. So that's what that's what we know. Um, Brittany is is Caucasian. She stands five one, weighs one hundred and five pounds, tiny thing, just thin thin build. She was last seen wearing a blue tank top, blue denim shorts, and flip flops, and carrying a pink or teal tote bag. Um, containing extra clothing, a red curling iron, a makeup bag, and a cell phone. She has dirty blonde brown hair and blue eyes with a lip piercing and the word Peyton tattooed on her left leg. There is a reward for her information that leads to locating Brittany, but that's where... That's what we have. That's the information that we have. Uh, Brittany left behind a daughter, Peyton, who is now 12. She was two at the time. On May 30th, uh, 2012, family members last see Brittany Wood. Um, her mother, Chessie, uh, was was there. They were, she was standing outside of her house, and, and Brittany walks out, and she's carrying her tote. And she, her mom says, hey, what's going on? I thought we had plans. And Brittany responded, you wouldn't understand, but I'll be back. And she left. And so she walks down. And she said that she was going to go to the Sticks River area in Baldwin County to visit her uncle, her uncle Donald, um, Donnie Holland. So she's that she her mom watches her walk to the end of like her very, you know, long block as far as she can see her. And then once she kind of turned, there was a fence. And yeah. that's where she uh, believes that Uncle Donald Donnie um Picked, picked up Brittany. And so the last known person to have been with Brittany is her uncle. Already everybody knows the answer to the, the, <laughs> the, the problem, right? Everybody's already saying, okay, yeah, last person, yeah. Um, okay, so here's where things kind of go wonkadoo. So <laughs> that's May 30th. Okay. May 31st, Brittany doesn't come home. No one's worried. Okay. June 1st, Brittany doesn't come home. No one's worried. But Donald Holland commits suicide. Oh, my gosh. At this point, no one is thinking Brittany is missing. At this point, nobody is thinking that. Was it weird not to hear from her? Yes, but no. She was going to go to a friend's house. She thought maybe it was going to be this other person that she went to go hang out with. But wasn't she going to hang out with the uncle that killed himself? And so at this point, she's like, she went with her. So Chessie, her mom, is thinking she's with her friend, there's this, this is not even like nobody's, nobody's putting pieces together yet. I'm putting pieces oh, together. Oh, yeah, sure. In hindsight, <laughs> I know I'm doing a true crime story. So yes, we're immediately putting all the pieces together. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't until everybody was in that hospital room. Mostly everybody was in that hospital room. Okay. Um, he survived the shot to a point they said he was brain dead but he was he was still alive so he's in the hospital it wasn't until everybody got into that hospital room that things started to come into focus donnie had made an apparent suicide attempt he was alleged to have been a ringleader the ringleader in a child sex ring but he would never face his day in court he was under investigation 
at the time. Oh, okay, okay. He was under already under investigation. Donnie was found shot to death in his vehicle two days after anyone last sees Brittany Wood. He'd been shot in the back of the head in what authorities had ruled a suicide. He was shot behind the ear. This is the uncle. This is the uncle. So he tried to commit suicide. He he, he survived and he got shot in the car? No, no, no. That's where the shot... That's where where the suicide attempt occurred. I'm sorry. In the back of his head. Behind his right ear. Okay. Which, I'm not a gun expert, but I kind of feel like it would... I don't know. I can't bend my arm that way. I know, I'm double double jointed, so I can do that. (laughs) I I can dislocate my shoulder. I I don't know how much I... I don't know. Right? So, and it was like... um, Yeah, so... It it has been been speculated by by Brittany's mom, allegedly, that... (laughs) Um, that he was probably murdered. Okay. So there's a couple of things. Noting the angle of the gunshot wound, which okay. was located toward the back of his head, like right yeah. there. I would just kind of assume that it, you might miss. That you, what if you don't get... I mean, it's just not the traditional position of someone who's... This, you know you're going to hit your brain. This, what if it doesn't... Yeah. And so it went out like his chin... Oh man, yeah. Yeah, so like it didn't it didn't hit his brain. Yeah, I gotcha. Right? And like went down into his chin. Anyway. So um I would just think that that would be a very bad position to be in. But okay, so that's what that's where he did it. Um so he was being like I said, he was being um investigated about the abuse before Brittany's disappearance. Okay. But did Brittany know? Maybe. Did she tell? Yes, she did know. Did she tell her mom anything about it? No, she didn't. She just was like, that's why she said, like, you're not going to understand. Um, so detectives said at the time that Brittany and one of the alleged victims exchanged Facebook messages in which abuse was discussed. And this was on May 27th, three days before Brittany was last seen. Okay. After Brittany asked, how are you? Tell me what's going on. I don't know what's true and what you said. The victim alleged said that um, they had been raped by Randall, Dustin, and Donnie. The text message was, Daddy, Dustin, and Randall raped me. (sighs) Brittany replied, I love you. I'm sorry. The alleged victim wrote more messages to Brittany on May 28th and May 30th, but did not receive a response. Now, if that isn't weird enough, so to me, like in my brain and my like theory is that she walked out of that house going, I'm going to fucking deal with this. Yeah. Right. So, cause like, I'm going to have a talk with them. I'm going to yeah. talk some sense into these people or whatever. Or see if it like verified that it. That right. It happened. Right. Now that isn't weird enough. This is where things seem to get. Even more sus. Oh my God. Did I just use that unironically? I just say sus unironically. Yep, I did. Anyway, so Brittany's mom was in that hospital room and saw Donnie's hands bagged. Now, if you've never seen this before, the hospital staff puts bags on hands to ensure that any gunshot residue is left so that they can do the oh. the test to ensure that they indeed shot that gun. Okay. If it seemed sus. Okay. Again, I said it. Well, the police called into the hospital and said it was 100% a suicide since no need to do tests. So they unbagged the hands. They didn't even test it? They didn't test it. I can't hear him. So, okay. Yes. Yes, Kevin. So the detective at the time, the the lead detective at the time was this young man, um, Lowry. Um, He made that call and he, he is part of a docuseries that Peacock um, started, started uh, uh, filming in 2018 on the story. And so it came out in 2019 on Peacock and it's a, it's a, it's called the monster in the shadows. 
And so that detective is is on screen, and he says, in 2012, we did not do GSR tests, gunshot residue tests. So then Chessie is like, but why were his hands bagged then? She knew why they were bagged. And then they unbagged them in front of her, saying they said it was a suicide. Meanwhile, that's not the only thing. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. We're just on day two, y'all. We're just on day two. She's been missing two days. Okay, we're just on day two. The second bit of info that made all of this crazy was that Donnie's wife, Wendy, was asking him in front of Chessie, where's Brittany, Donnie? Donnie, where's Brittany? Like, why? Why? Why would she be saying that? Like at the hospital? At the hospital to a dying person who can't talk, who's brain dead. But every time they mentioned the name Brittany, he would have brain activity. Oh my gosh. So like, was he literally like dying to tell them? Like maybe that's, you know. Third... When Donnie was found, I'm putting this in quotes. When Donnie was found, I am all about the Chessie life, y'all. I have like, I've, I've like done so much research on this that I'm like, I kind of agree with her theories. So, Don, when Donnie was found by his wife and her twin sister, Mendy, so his wife, Wendy, and Mendy. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I know this is a serious story, but if you name can Wendy and Mendy I know. and her twins, Jesus. Just turn that W upside down. You got another name. Um, instead of calling 911, you find your husband gurgling blood oh, and, and, the case. and dying. You take his phone and you delete text messages. Oh my God. Before calling 911. And then you don't even call 911. You call the detective Lowry. Who declared it was a suicide. Who declared it was a suicide. Interesting. That morning, 30 minutes from the time that he was supposed to, 30 minutes after when he was found, he was supposed to be having a conversation with Detective Lowry at the police station. He was on his way there regarding the child sex ring case. Was he going to talk? Was he going to say something? Was he like, okay, that's it. I did something to Brittany. I'm going to give up. I'm going to do whatever. Like, so nobody at this point is going, Brittany's missing. Nobody, 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 Except nobody. for the wife asking where Brittany is? Except for the wife asking where Brittany is. And so the only person who might know is now dead and dying, dying and soon dead. I've solved the case. I'm I mean, just. I, mean, I think it's wife, but go on. Yes, I, I, I yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, yes, yes, yes. Um, and lastly, and I'm skipping ahead here because this is going to just fucking blow the whole thing out of the water right here. Because I'm going to skip ahead a few days to June. I mean, July twentieth. So okay. July twentieth. So this is June first. July twentieth. The gun used in Donnie Holland's suicide is reported to have belonged to Brittany. She took that gun with her. However, Detective Lowry has since denied that connection, but that gun belonged to Brittany. According to her mom, she took it with her when she was going to meet her uncle. Why? Questions. I have no answers, but we can all assume, allegedly. I think she, I think she went to confront him. I think she was a little five foot one fighter. I I don't know who the victim is, but considering if she's still using the word daddy, I feel like she's probably a young victim. So I imagine that really, I mean, I don't know what I would do if my a sibling or something told me that. I, I would probably act in a similar fashion. So, um... I'll get into it more later. Okay. So your theory is Wendy. Wendy Holland. Absolutely. I mean, she found the husband, didn't report it, deleted his phone, and then is like trying to make him look guilty as he's dying. As he's dying. 
and she calls a detective. Oh, he's guilty. Declared. Well, I know, but yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like she's seems so extra to be in the hospital as he's dying, screaming at him. Where's Brittany? Like, why would you even bring her up? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'm sure like everybody's like, yeah, I've got this case solved. <laughs> you know, just like just and this is and this is what Chessie, her mom, um, in Monster in the Shadows. This is what she's saying. She's like, two people know what happened to her. One of them's dead. Yeah. Right. And so, like, there, there's just, there's, there's no, no solving this without the help of the other. Yeah. And that's just not happening. Okay. So that was June 1st. Okay. Fast forward to July 20th for a second. Yeah. But now we're still on June 1st. Now, okay. June 2nd, a missing persons report is filed for Brittany Wood. Three days. She files it with the Mobile Police Department after she was she was last seen. So I guess like that was finally like something's up. Yeah. No one can find her. That's when the phone call started going out. And Chessie says, you know, like when you're when your kid is missing, there are actually lots of things that go through your mind. One is you think they might have run away. Yeah. You hope that's not true. You think they might have run away. But that that she's got a two year old and there's no way. There's just no way. Second thing is you go, maybe there's a serial killer that's swept through town and that's just, you obviously don't want that. Yeah. The third one is they, someone's trafficked her that she's been stolen and now she's being trafficked somewhere and and can't get to help. And then the fourth is someone in the family did it. And that's where she's, that's where she's landed is that someone in the family killed her. Yeah. So, all right, so June 6th and 7th, Baldwin County deputies searched the area around Water World Road. A family spokesman said that the last phone transmission from Wood's cell phone was in the Styx River area in Baldwin County. This is where her uncle Don, uh, Donnie was staying, in the Styx River area. A day later, on June 8th, they say we have no the police say we don't have anything to lead us to believe that she's in Baldwin County. Her last cell phone ping was in Baldwin County, but there's nothing left nothing leading you to believe that she's in Baldwin County, that her body's in Baldwin County. You think she left Baldwin County, but left her cell phone there and left her daughter behind and left her like I, Chessie has had a lawyer and I'll get into why, but she had a lawyer and the lawyers like her legal assistant, the paralegal long interview with her. And then she's like, that guy was in over his head. He was a young detective. He should have not been given this case because it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. He should have not had been the one on this case. Poor guy. He, they really probably did throw him into the wolves. Yeah. He was young. He's young on that documentary. Like younger but than me. At what me. point do you admit that it's over your head? I mean, I this is know. a missing girl. Know. You know I what know. I mean? Like, I feel like at some point you should take the responsibility. And be like, this is too much for me. I would have been extra cautious as a, a new detective. Like, keep the hands bagged, test it for <laughs> test it I, for gunpowder. I feel gun like powder. I would be over analyzing, like annoying everyone with how much over analyzing. You know what I'm doing? <laughs> I know. It's like, but you know, I'm sure there's someone like, oh come on, it's this and that and the other. She probably ran away. She probably did this. She's like, yeah. Yeah. So, and his theory is that she was dumped at a truck stop. But like, why do you think that? And there's no evidence of that in a truck stop. It's a very wild theory if you have no evidence. I mean, like, she didn't, like, hop on an 18-wheeler and hitch out of town. Like, that wasn't what happened. She was with her uncle at this house in the Styx River. Who then suddenly unalived himself. Who then suddenly unalived himself. That is a great quote. I love that quote. Um, so on June 11th, lots of things happening. The Woods family announces that the Class Kids Foundation will be um, assisting in searches for the missing uh, for missing Brittany. The Class Kids Foundation um, helps organize searches for missing children, working in conjunction with local law enforcement. So they came out and they were doing whatever they were. They were searching wherever Chessie told them to search. Like they were, they were there. They were a part of it. 
Um, in the week of June 13th, the Class Kids Foundation, with the help of the Class Kids Foundation, uh, more than 70 volunteers search a five-mile area in the Six River Basin. Um, search and rescue units from uh, Florida and Monroe County assist in the search. And on June 14th, personnel from the Southwest Panhandle Search and Rescue in Florida and North Baldwin Sheriff's Search and Rescue in Alabama joined the effort. Nothing of value was found. I mean, wow. they they tried. I mean, so it's yeah. two week two weeks have gone by. Any number of things could have um, been missed in those you know first yeah first first week. On July 29th, Brittany Woods family questions law enforcement officers' insistence that the teen's disappearance isn't connected to the sexual abuse investigation in Baldwin County or in Donnie Holland's suicide. You said July? July. So July 29th, 2012. That seems a little premature. Yeah. They don't watch true crime shows. Or they think that we overreact about everything. But I feel like that was pretty... That's a pretty early... Most of these people are reacting enough other than the mother. Correct. Correct. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. They're not, rea- they're like underreacting. Yes. They are underreacting. So now I'm going to talk about, and I, I had to for my own sanity, and I was telling Ashley before we started recording that I'm going to kind of do this in a really weird and cold and sort of detached way. I want to give you the information, but for my own well being, I didn't really want to get into the like, the, the finer details of each of their of each of these people and what I will get into some of what they did, but like and keeping it as 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 un undisturbing as I can with still giving you the information that you need for the story. Okay, like I didn't want to do all the research about everything exactly they did, yeah. so I'm just keeping it kind of. Um, the links will be in our show notes though yeah 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 yeah. so um what i'm gonna do is talk about each of the family members and i'm gonna talk about each of the family members because a total of 11 were arrested in connection (sighs) with this child sex ring um One of the things that I also want to say is that Brittany was a victim. Brittany was a victim of, of this family, not from her mother. Um, but all, all of the children were, all of the children that were in that immediate area were, were victims. By all from all of the adults, and that's like it's 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 heartbreaking. Yeah. So I want to just kind of just kind of quickly go through what these awful people did, and I'm, and and so just so you know, like this is what this is what happened, and it got bigger and bigger. And I think that if anybody remembers 2012, watching the news. It was like between 2012 and 2013, oh my God, another person, another person, another person. And I remember this happening. And I, I remember being like, case. oh my gosh, like what? Six people? 11 total. Like I remember when it hit six and I just, I just kind of was like, I don't want to know about that. Like yeah. this is like, it's so disturbing. But um, I as I did research on it, I wanted so much to make sure that I pass along the information like... There are signs. There is help. This does happen. Yeah. This absolutely happens. And so the more we know, the more we can help, I feel like. So, okay. So between June 19th, 2012 and October 22nd, 2013, eight of Brittany Wood's relatives and three family friends were arrested on sex abuse charges stemming from more than a three-month-long investigation in Baldwin County and alleged victims later coming forward. So the first the first perpetrator, besides Uncle Donnie, okay. who was the who was the ringleader. Okay. Um, I will say that Donnie 
was also a victim who became a perpetrator. So it was 11 total plus Donnie. So like 11 total plus Donnie. Okay. Donnie was also a victim who turned into a perpetrator. This is, this is the, this, this is the state of affairs. It happens so much. Okay, so Destin or Dusty Kent, 36, Brittany Woods' uncle. Holland's brother-in-law, so uh, um, uh, Donnie, Holland, uh, Donnie Holland's brother-in-law, Destin Kent testified that he participated in a six-way sexual encounter that included Wendy Holland, the alleged teen victim, and his wife, Mendy Kent, Wendy Holland's twin sister. On June 19th, 2012, um, charges were brought of first-degree sodomy and second-degree rape. On July 16th, 2012, in Baldwin County, new charges new charges of second-degree rape, incest, and second-degree sodomy. On August 2nd, 2012, in Mobile County, Kent is arrested on sex abuse charges again, but this time in Mobile County. He faces one count each of rape and sodomy. Mobile police got information on the chart on the county charges during their investigation into Brittany Wood's disappearance. So that's according to MPD. However, Brittany Wood was not the victim in the case. Not in that case. But you did say all of the victims are children of the family, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were all okay. Mm-hmm. October 22nd, 2013, Mobile County, new charges of first-degree rape, first-degree sodomy, production of obscene matter of a person under 17, and sex abuse of a child less than 12. The charges involve victims who were between 12 and 16 years old. He was sentenced to 17 years in prison in November of 2015. 17 fucking years. That's called rape culture. For anyone who wonders why, that's that these low sentences, these low like seventeen years, you get more than that stealing. Well, you get more than that just having weed on you. Weed. <laughs> I mean, okay. Randall Scott Wood, forty-two, Brittany Woods' uncle. This was the uncle, the uncle that actually reported the child sexing in February of twenty twelve in the first place. He was part of it, but he, he reported, reported it. it. He reported it. Um, Chessie believes he is innocent since he was the one who brought the whole thing down. Is it possible? Sure. But one of the kids named him, so... Yeah. Right. Um, June 19, 2012, in Baldwin County, charges of second-degree abuse, second-degree sodomy, and incest. October 12, October 22nd, 2013, Mobile, in Mobile County, charges of second-degree rape, second-degree sodomy, and enticing a child into a building or dwelling. Derek Wood, 22 at the time, Brittany Wood's brother. Hi, I need to jump in for a second. What you're about to hear in the background is our lawn crew right outside the window where we're recording. I just assumed that Jason could take it out and post, but he has informed me that he is, quote, not a fucking wizard, end quote. So sorry for the noise and back to the show. July 13th, Derek Wood, 22, Brittany Woods' brother, his brother, her brother, on July 13th, 2012, Baldwin County, charges a second-degree rape and second-degree sodomy against his 12-year-old cousin. He said he had sex with Wendy Holland too many times to count, starting at around age 13. Derek was granted youthful offender status. meaning that his sentencing was withheld from the public. Derek, who was also a victim of sexual abuse, took a plea deal and served three years in prison. He also has also had to register as a sex offender for the rest of his life. Donald Paul Holland Jr., 20, Brittany Woods' step-cousin. 
on July 17, 2012, a fourth relative, so step-cousin Paul, was arrested on, and charged with rape, sexual abuse, and incest. Lowry says the victims of Scott Wood, Kent, Derek Wood, and Paul Holland were between the ages of 12 and 16. He reiterates that the arrest did not appear to be related to Brittany Woods' disappearance. Which is baffling to me. Charges of second-degree sex abuse, second-degree rape, and incest are also included in his charges. William Billy Brownlee, Holland family friend, on July 22, 2012, he's charged with second-degree sodomy and second-degree sex abuse. On August 16, 2012, Derek Woods, Scott Holland, and Brownlee appear in a Baldwin County Circuit Court for a hearing in their sex abuse charges. A Baldwin County Sheriff's Office Sheriff's Investigator testifies a girl told deputies in January of 2011, January of 2011, when the girl was 12 years old, that the three men had sex with her. On October 22, 2013, charges of first-degree sodomy, sex abuse of a child less than 12, and two counts of first-degree rape are also put on Brett Billy. I'm sorry, question. Did they say why nothing came about when she reported them in 2011, other than they just didn't believe her? Because she's a woman? Or what? I don't know. I don't know. But I feel what like would have happened child. had something... What, what would have happened if they... But she was poor. I know, but she's she, a child. She's I just child. feel like that. Sh- I mean, I feel like it should always be investigated. But like, when a child is accusing family members, like, why would they lie about that? I just don't understand. You should have heard. Like, you I don't can't hear. hear it. But the, I don't uh, want to read it. I don't want to hear it. When when Wendy Holland was on the stand, or she was on trial, and the lawyer was like, "You can make things up just because you say it doesn't mean it's true." Like, fucker. She's a child. And that is, I mean, you're, 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 you're being a lawyer. Your, your job as a lawyer is to defend your client. You don't have to believe your client, but you're trying to defend your client. That's, they, they, you're hired for that. I get that. But, oh my God, that's a child. So... Do people normally believe these accusations? I don't know. Were they? I don't know. I don't know. Like it's, just, it's. I feel so bad for these children. Right, but like this is why women don't come forward in a lot of t- a lot of times. You feel like you're not going to be believed by authorities. You're going to be put on the stand and be belittled and like made to feel like you're some kind of whore or something. Like you know. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Anyway, they just they really just tore her apart. Um, they tore the child apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they talked to her during the trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh Wendy, Wendy Wood Holland, thirty three, Brittany Wood's aunt. She was thirty three at the time. August twenty second, twenty twelve, Baldwin County. They charged her of endangering the welfare of a child. First charge. November twenty ninth, twenty twelve. Charges of first degree sodomy, sexual torture, and sex abuse. October twenty second, twenty thirteen. Charge of second degree sodomy. Wendy Holland was sentenced to 219 years in prison. Good. After being convicted of sodomy, sex abuse, and child torture in 2015. 219 years. I feel like they should have all had that. They should have all had that. But without Donnie, there was her. Yeah. And the, the brother was like, I've had sex with her more times than I can count. And they would just pass each other around. They would be like, oh, you're going to you're gonna have sex with this guy now. Oh, who is he going to make me have sex with now? And so, like, they would go be coming home from school on the bus going, who am I going to have to have sex with tonight? That's children. That's uh. children. Chessie Wood, 38. Brittany's mom. On June, on June 27th, 2013, in Mobile County, charges of sodomy and child sex abuse were filed, but she pleaded guilty to a lesser charge and left court with a misdemeanor of child endangerment. She refused to take any plea. She refused to say she was guilty. She refused to do anything. She was like, Who is this? this is her mom. Oh, okay. She was like, I did nothing of the sort. 
took a lie detector test. This is all, everything, all of her interviews with yeah. the cops, everything is in that documentary. She was like, you can have it all. She was like, that is none of it's true. I will take a lie detector test. And so she did. But she was the one saying, hello, cops, you guys aren't doing anything about my daughter. And how, what do you mean that this isn't related? How can you say that this isn't related? This wasn't a suicide. Yeah. But like, she's the one like sounding the alarm and then she gets arrested. Okay. She felt blindsided by the allegations. I, I, you can watch it. You can make your own decisions on on that. Um, but so anyway, none of the kids named her, did they? Um, they they said that a kid named her, but there's no, there's just, there wasn't anything that they could really pin on her. Okay. That's that. Yeah. There was just nothing. There was just nothing. Like it never, that never happened the way she said it happened, and like that's. She passed her. Yeah, no, I was just curious if, like, they were just arresting her or if a child named her. One of the children um, in the Wendy Holland trial said that she did name people who had never done anything. And so I don't know if that's the same same victim. They don't name the victims. Okay, gotcha. She did say, I was being forced by a family member to give up information. And so she just made it up. Oh, my God. Um. Yeah, just Just the abuse never ends. So Mendy Wood, Mendy Wood Kent, uh, Brittany Wood's aunt, October 22nd, 2013 in Mobile County, she was charged with second degree sodomy and sex abuse of child less than 12. Nelton Morgan, 47, Wood family friend, October 22nd, 2013, charged first degree rape and sex abuse of a child less than 12. James Kumba, Brittany Woods' uncle, October 22nd, 2013, charges of first-degree rape, first-degree sodomy, and sex abuse of a child less than 12. Jennifer Moore, uh, 32, Wood family friend, on November 1st, 2013, in Baldwin County, charged with second-degree sexual abuse and production of child pornography in connection with the ongoing investigation. Now... She so by October 29th, 2013, Chessie's in she's she does not let up. She's not letting up. It's been over a year, year and a half now that that her daughter's been gone. She's straight up believing that she's telling everybody Donnie killed her. Donnie killed her daughter. And Wendy Holland knows what happened. That's 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 she's putting it out there. No libel suit has come on her at all. So like. She's putting it, she's been putting it out there. November 17th, 2013, news breaks that there's um, been a, a search warrant on Brittany Woods's home. However, police would not immediately comment on the reason for the warrant or their findings. It was later discovered that the warrant was executed at Wendy Holland's home in Irvington, where electronic storage devices believed to hold child pornography were recovered. And on November 19, 2013, for the first time since Brittany's disappearance, investigators say that, okay, the cases are linked with the ongoing sex abuse investigation. So they, they, they spoke too soon, but they did say coming back. So in 2018, Chessie decided to participate in a documentary series made by Peacock, and it was a great three-episode watch. It's, like, it's really, really good. It does a great job of putting everything sort of in a timeline, and, you know, yeah. so you can kind of see it. But um, also in 2018, um, Brittany's daughter Peyton spoke for the first time to reporters, and she wanted to celebrate her mom's birthday. So here's... Here's Peyton at age nine at this time. Growing up without her missing mother. Brittany Wood went missing from our area six years ago, and tonight her daughter speaks out for the first time exclusively to NBC 15 since her mother's disappearance. Nicole, Brittany's daughter was just a baby two years old when her teenage mother disappeared without a trace. Yes, Greg and Kim, just a baby when her mother disappeared, and now she's eight years old. It's hard to grow up without your mother, especially on the big days, like birthdays. I've got a slider, are you? Peyton Hamilton is eight years old and full of energy. She likes slides, swings, and loves school. I like it because we get to make crafts and go to PE and dance. But Peyton doesn't have a major person in her life. Many of her classmates do. Peyton's mother, Brittany Wood, disappeared when she was just two years old. Why do you want her to come back? Because I miss her. Yeah? 
What's it like not having her around? What would you want her to know about? How fast we can sneak up on Mimi. Peyton wants to play with her mother and just be silly together. Instead, she just looks at the pictures of them wishing she could remember these times. I like the one with the pacifier in her mouth. Yeah. Yep. Do you look at that one a lot? Mm-hmm. It looks silly. Tomorrow, Brittany would be 26 years old. Her birthday, coincidentally, falls on a national day of remembrance for victims of homicide and missing persons cases. Peyton asked me if it would be all right if she came and honored her mom, and she wanted to celebrate her mom's birthday. And what what guy's going to tell this little girl no? Nobody. Peyton can't celebrate this milestone with her mother, so she wants to share cake with the community in her honor. What would you give her? A balloon. And a big hug? I can't do that. Do you wish you could? Mm-hmm. Yeah? What would it mean to give your mom a hug? I miss her. She plans to send 26 messages in the sky. Here's one. Mom, I love you. I'm glad that you're the one that did this story because I never would have made it through. Just thought you should know that. That little girl. So the docuseries really does put all of all of it into some kind of perspective, like how twisted and deep the story is. Um, the, the abuse goes so far back, multiple generations. The crimes are continuing. I feel like Chessie was a part of stopping that cycle, even if she wasn't. 100% innocent in all of it she's putting it out there yeah. and and it's ending and those people are in jail and she's not I don't think she's allowed to speak to any of the children I think all of the children were taken away and removed I mean, and from rightfully so. Yeah, so removed and so they aren't like allowed I'm sure there are other family members who weren't so close who still yeah. have contact but there's you know um there's there it's just it's very heart-wrenching to see how many children were actually involved um Brittany, the 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 main the whole point of the docuseries was like she's putting it all out there on the table i want to find my daughter and i told her i'd never give up i told you know like she promised when it happened she would never give up and she's not happy yeah. she has not given up and so maybe that hail mary of be putting it all out there on your life on the docuseries maybe that will do something maybe that will spur some kind of movement somebody knows something yeah nobody has has come forward and there are letters coming from jail of like oh i talked to wendy holland and she says she's the one that did it i just it. don't get and why wendy wouldn't just i mean you're already going to be in prison for the rest of your life I think Just she's a sociopath. Tell her where her daughter is. I think she enjoys not telling her. I think she enjoys <sighs> that control. Alive. I, I mean, I think there's there's I you know obviously she's not well. Yeah, and she enjoys the the torture of it all, and I'm sure that she's pissed off at Brittany for you know maybe coming in in the middle of it all and ending ending this this way of life for her. I mean, she had lots of sex with lots of children and Oh my God. That's that did it for her. And what I, what it seemed to be was that uh, Donnie was the ringleader and it kind of shows like, I think he showed them how easy it is to prey on other people he was preyed upon a lot of them were preyed upon and they just sort of became predators themselves and it was like a pretty easy transition to do that and you know for Derek Derek uh, her brother Brittany's brother is interviewed and he's like you know no one no one gives you mental health help in jail and there's no I'm asking for help I'm asking I don't you know I'm not a monster there's a there's a story too for me you know and like there was the you know like nobody knows what kind of person Donnie was and how manipulative he could be and 
how he could really c- control. And this is a little boy. Yeah. He was abused from being six. He was six years old when abuse started. Really, men and women, uh, adults who were supposed to love him and care for him. Yeah. And when, you know, even Wendy Holland's daughter saying, I still love my mom so much, even though. Oh my God, her own daughter? Right. Even though daddy and uncles and strangers and friends and people who, you know, all of these people are supposed to take care of you and they don't anymore and they don't, but you still love them. You still care for them. And so when they tell you to do something, you do it. And then you just become a part of that cycle. Yeah. I feel like he was still in that, that I feel like you're making decisions and situations, not of your choosing. You know, at a certain point, yes, you're an adult and you need to take responsibility. And he did his time in jail, but he was also like horribly abused. Yeah. And I think maybe Brittany didn't think it kept going. Like maybe she thought it ended for everybody. Yeah. Until it wasn't, until it didn't. So anyway, that's my story. Well, um, if you haven't answered the question of the week, please go back and do that, and we will read them. We always enjoy yes, it. We love them. Love them. And then, and then, we will see you next week. Yes. But, oh, but until then. Um, follow us, share us, love us. We're over 600 likes on Facebook, so thank oh, you guys. What? You can leave us voicemails. You can send us messages all on our website. Case files with catandashley.com, catandashley.com. I'm pretty sure they both get you there. Uh, you can send us messages on our Facebook, send us and stories, whatever. Is next week our 150th? I don't know. Oh, oh, God. God. I doubt it. Um, on our 150th episode, we are doing listener stories, mm-hmm. so you still have some time, mm. if you hear this soon, <laughs> to send us stories. I think it might be next week, yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we have one more week. But you think I would know? I think I was just looking at the. the We didn't actually even know. Someone else told us. (laughs) Looking at the spreadsheet. Um, But please, if you have a story, send it to us. Even if it's like five seconds long, like send us a story. We'd love to. We'd love to hear hear from you. Um, I realized last night while I was putting my story together, I went to Jason's office and I said, "We're we've been listened to in a hundred nine different countries yes what yes we have our, some of our biggest fans are in other countries i, I know love it. and so i want to hear stories from where you live please i know we're in texas we can't help that we try to change it all the time mm-hmm. but we're <laughs> well, this is where we are so send us stories from where yes. you are please um okay so anything else uh, i'm good all right leave us a voicemail too we love you see you next week bye, bye. 